What, which, this, that, or the other? From Bonnaroo to Coachella, traversing the music festival landscape can be tricky. That's where we come in with high fives for everyone. The What Podcast with Brad, Barry, Lord Taco, dedicated to exploring the entire festival scene. Brad has worked in the radio industry for more than 20 years and currently lives in Brooklyn, where he is program director for three stations, including one in New York, one in Detroit, and one in Miami. Barry's been a reporter for the Chattanooga Times Free Press, covering all aspects of the entertainment industry since 1987. That's before you were born. Lord Taco, the smart guy who makes these podcasts on our website at thewhatpodcast.com work. Also really good at identifying babies, loves blue-haired moms, PBR, and his beautiful Volkswagen bus. We all fell in love with the Bonnaroo Festival years ago, not only because of the amazing bands that play there every year, but also because of the incredible community spirit that has developed around it. Radiate positivity. And we really like talking about the inside baseball stuff when it comes to putting on a huge music festival. So join us. You can hear the What Podcast on the Consequence Podcast Network or anywhere you find your favorite podcasts. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hans Gruber and the Diehards formed in Austin, Texas in 2014 a ska-punk band heavy on the hyper-punk and hardcore elements and with plenty of bizarre stage antics. There was some member shifting in the early days, and then during the pandemic, the group parted ways with two founding members, which moves Kurt and Rosie Armstrong to the front of the band. The new Hans Gruber came out of the pandemic swinging. Their record, With a Vengeance, released in May 2022, is the top-selling album on SPI Records. By the way, SPI Records is owned and operated by Indefensive Ska editor Chris Reeves. Today we talk to three members of the band, Kurt, Rosie, and Chris Thompson. So during the pandemic, I did uh, I did some features on other people's records. That's one of the nice things about being a little record remote, remotely now mm-hmm. and having a microphone. You can just record yourself and put it into a record. So I did a, a vocal feature on a song called Squat Core by Hans Gruber and the Diehards. And that was my introduction to this band. I was at a Supernova 2023 and I saw Hans Gruber and the Diehards and they played that song and this this huge guy got on stage and did a feature with them. Oh my goodness. Who was that? His name was Adam Davis. What was he doing that night? He was selling merch for Against All Authority. Oh, wow. And I had to find my way up onto the stage to do that. How was doing Squat Core uh, live? Oh, it was fine. That stage is... Uh, is very high. So I like was squatting down over the monitors. So like while everybody else was just doing squats behind me, I was just kind of holding a squat. Well, that's a good workout though. So I could get down over the audience, you know, works different muscles. My first question is for Kurt. What's the deal with the whole underwear thing? Now, <laughs> so Actually, this is a fun one. I started doing it because I saw the taxpayers in Tulsa back when I was in college. And Rob Taxpayer just right away went down to his boxers. And I looked and said, 
Now that makes sense. Why? Why does that make sense? <laughs> it makes sense. <laughs> well, it, it was not only was it flashing got your attention. You sweat so fucking much when you're playing a show. And now all my clothes are dry when I finish a set. But then you put your shirt on. So it's, it's, it's practical. Yeah. I mean, it's also, I mean, I look great. So <laughs> do, you, do you feel vulnerable in your underwear? No, because it's the idea of I'm already in my underwear. What else is there to make fun of? <laughs> do you remember the first time you did this? Was it, were you uncomfortable the first time? It was in college. I was playing a show. Uh, and I had seen Rob Taxpayer do it, and I'm like, well, fuck it, I'm going to try it sometime. And I went and played a show, and it felt great. You weren't nervous at all that first time? No. I don't know why. <laughs> and he didn't always do it in Hans Gruber. Oh. Yeah, I think it was about a year in, I decided to start doing it again. Uh, and yeah, no, I just, it feels great, it feels natural. I remember the first show you ever did it. It was at uh, Sahara Lounge. Technically, oh, yeah. Kill Lincoln was on the bill. Oh, um, yeah, it was. <laughs> and, and Kurt, I don't know if you needed this, but your parents were in the room. And I think that's what helped you get to that step with us. <laughs> you know, my parents, my parents always support me and they are very comfortable with me and my body. So they've definitely, um, you know, seen you in all your glory in your birthday suit. Yeah. You know, actually, my, my parents both love my bands. So, you know, I got that going for me. Oh, it's more than more than most of us can say. <laughs> well, can I just offer can I offer a suggestion? Just consider this suggestion. No, I'm going to offer it anyways. <laughs> this is a, this is an intervention right now. You didn't know. All right. Go ahead. Running shorts. No. Why not? Because. <laughs> I gotta put on another pair of things. I already have boxer briefs on. Yeah, but the boxer briefs have the little trap door. Yeah, it's never escaped. I, I mean, but it's just... It's right there <laughs> for everybody. I'm just saying, like, you uncomfortable with me says more about you than it does about me. Not me uncomfortable. Well, you're trying to solve a problem that no one asked about. <laughs> Oh, we've read we've read the the viewer the listener letters and uh... <laughs> this is an intervention, Kurt. Everyone has an issue with this. <laughs> nah, it just wouldn't be the same. It it's trust me, it's it has to be the boxer briefs or whitey tighties or bust. In all honesty, I feel like he was forced to wear like shorts or something at one show uh, back when Kurt was on base, and you you could tell the difference, like. Like there, there was a lack of confidence and irritation seeping through whatever he was trying to play. So you feel com you get confidence from this move. Yeah. Do you like that you you kind of hold a card over the audience a little bit? <laughs> it uh, one of the coolest things is that no matter where you are or what everyone's doing, uh, the second. I take my clothes off and Chris actually takes his shirt off now too. It's the whole audience just stops and turns around. And mm. so it's like, there are a lot of crowds that are very tough, no matter where you go or what you're doing. And nothing gets a crowd to turn around more than taking your clothes off. 
does it have a similarity to like public speakers say, if you want to get comfortable, you have to imagine the audience naked. Is it within this wheelhouse of advice? Yeah. You know, I think it'd be similar. Yeah. Okay. Um, I want to, before we move on. No, before you get to that question, I can't believe that you guys are in the Kurt needs to wear pants camp. <laughs> that blows my mind. Like, I no, can't... I said running shorts, not pants. I we said running shorts because it's the same. No, no, it's no, the no, same no, vibe. No. You can have as much of your body out. It's not the same vibe. That is, I can't believe Those that you two. Mm, I it, I don't want to. I think that having your underpants <laughs> that you've been rot- sweating in all day inside <laughs> your clothes as your main garb is gross. So that's why I, that's why I'm like, just put on running shorts and then you could just rinse those out in the sink. I want you to know that you guys, you're safely in the camp of a lot of unfavorable people who have said very mean things. (laughs) So, so fuck you guys. Can't believe I'm doing this podcast. Lovingly. We never, we never say anything mean. I just like to point that out. We very we just made a suggestion. No, no, I see, I see how this goes. So as long as we've settled that, okay. <laughs> so my next question is, um, what's the deal with the name? I mean, there's no Hans Gruber in the band. Yeah, it should be. Yeah. So what's the deal there? I feel like we're getting interrogated here. <laughs> no. So the you know the true story of that is uh, we did have a member named Hans at one point, and he, as a passing joke when we were trying to come up with names, had mentioned something along the lines of Hans Gruber and the Diehards. Uh, and for me, Die Hard really is my favorite movie and something I'm really into. And I was like, oh my God, from a marketing standpoint alone, like I love that name. I love how it sounds. It's so ridiculous. Uh, and it's what we all kind of sat with. We, you know, probably had three or four different names to choose from at that point. And, and Hans Gruber, the Diehards was it. I don't regret a thing. Uh, so, uh, so Kurt, how many people accidentally call you Hans? How often does that happen? Actually, not many. It's not very often. Just you. <laughs> Just me. Aaron Aaron can't be the only person that's done it. There might no, be like one other person. No, I don't actually, that often, I don't though. get called Hans pretty much ever. Uh, I can't. I really can't think of anything off the bat. You fucked up really bad then, Aaron. Until Aaron Carnes, the writer of... And I just finished your book the other day. I sat down and read your book to prepare for this podcast, and you miscalled my name. Took you long enough. (laughs) (laughs) It did. I had it sitting on a shelf for two years. (laughs) (laughs) We'll just go throw a little suggestion out there for you. Okay. Okay. You ready? Read more often. The Gruberites. That's our Twitter. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. A nice band name. So you're You're trying to change our band name now. The Gruberites featuring a guy in his running shorts. I was going to say, look, we, w- we wouldn't be who we are if Kurt wore clothes and we changed our name. <laughs> well, you know, just, we're, just putting, we're just putting thoughts out there into the world and you can do with them whatever you like. Did, did you guys consider just Die Hard? Because I know we had a hardcore band in Oakland for a second called Die Hard. Yeah, there was, uh, we, we never considered it. But after we had the name, A, there was also a band in Germany called Die Hard. There's a band in actually in Texas now called The Die Hards. Uh, and of all things, and I can't remember what part of the country, there was actually another band that started right after us that was called Hans Gruber and the Nakatomi Plazas. <laughs> and I was like, dear God, that's so on par. Mm. And I reached out to him not to criticize and not to say don't use it, but to say, hey, I hope you are successful and I hope we can play a show together. Uh, and they they were like, heck yeah. And then nothing. I think they broke up like months later. What kind of music did they play? 
<laughs> I, you know, I don't even think I ever heard it. I don't. I, they had just formed and it had popped on socials. Doesn't matter. We're all about the vibes, not the genres. I say that to a person who wrote a whole genre-based book. And I want to say the <laughs> amount of people's eyes that light up the first time they hear our name, especially if they haven't heard our music at all, like, oh my god, that's such a good name. It's like the most common thing we hear from people. So, Chris, what's why do you like Die Hard so much? Huge fan of action movies, especially from the eighties. Uh, Die Hard, when I was younger and working in a movie store, just was my favorite movie. As I got older, I definitely bought into the whole Die Hard's a Christmas thing and would watch it every year. Um, and I got to the point of like researching it and understanding uh, more of the the history behind the fact that like Die Hard's a sequel and the original movie had Frank Sinatra in it. And it's based on these books by Roderick Thorpe. And so I was already like so deep into understanding the different scripts that came for each one of the movies uh, and just everything about this franchise. And then when that became a possibility as a name, I really, really, it's just always been my favorite movie. As I was researching um, your band to come up with some questions, I found an article that the author was suggesting that not only was Die Hard a Christmas movie, but it was a remake of The Christmas Carol. Wow. <laughs> I had not seen that part. And they go into a very elaborate explanation about why each, how like this scene uh, signifies him being visited by Christmas past, Christmas present, and Christmas future. And uh, it was definitely a huge stretch. And um, But I, anyways, I, I considered sending it to you guys in advance to see if, what your take was on it. But I said, I don't actually care. <laughs> Fair. So, okay. Another question for Kurt. How was it for you to make the, the change from guitar player to lead singer? Um, you know... As someone who has played a lot of guitar in my life, oh my I play it every single day. Uh, I I played bass. Okay. <laughs> is, uh, Kurt, bass is a guitar. I don't know if you knew that. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I was. I was. My semantics were wrong. I played bass guitar. Uh, switching from bass to lead singer. Uh, it really wasn't that hard. I had done lead vocals in a in a previous group um really it just kind of freed me up to be more natural natural is that what we're calling what you do (laughs) hell yeah well what what do you guys call it well yeah yeah, i guess no i it it just it it freed me up to be a bit more just have a good time and just i am much more free on singing and trombone because i'm more comfortable and used to those instruments than i ever have been on bass mm-hmm. and i like playing bass it's a lot of fun but i was i started as a trombone player and i've you know sung my whole life for myself so those just came more naturally do you like being the center of attention in the band now the goal that we try to do is to split the attention up intentionally uh we try to get rosie right up front with me so the mm-hmm. attention is split between the two of us and having an addition like danger uh, right on the side is another thing we just try to add. So it's not so much the Kurt Armstrong show, but we really are trying to spread it out to be a full band while performance. And for those of you who don't know, or if y'all don't know, danger is um, our current bass player. Oh, okay. But you know, you know what people are looking at though, right? Yeah. Rosie, the guy that's not in running shorts. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> it, I definitely don't mind being the center of attention. Okay. It's not a big deal. And I really don't. It doesn't feel like I'm getting more attention. No. Oh, you'll think about it now. Well, yeah. Well, now I'm now I'm sweating thinking about it. <laughs> but... No complex. Yeah. Now I'm getting all nervous. About to go on the road in a week, and now I'm thinking of everyone watching me. So, are are you guys comfortable talking about the 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 band change situation? Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, go go. Just start wherever you want to start. Bring people up to speed on the history of the band and how it changed in 2021. All right, so 2021, uh, obviously a pandemic was happening and uh, we had some disagreements with our two former members, uh, Hans and TJ, who we started the band with. So it was me, Chris, Hans and TJ when we started. Uh, Rosie got added in on Sacked about three or four years later. When the pandemic happened, things were beginning to look like we could start opening up with vaccines. Hans and TJ decided they didn't want to get it. Chris and I were the primary songwriters. Uh, so we and Rosie, the three of us decided that if they weren't going to go that route so that we could start playing shows, because we had a fest booked at that time. We had Pooza booked at that time that we were going to go on without them. It, it's it's a band. It's complicated. It's It's like, you know, having relationships with each person and, on top of it, you know, you have Kurt Rosier married, but honestly, it feels like we're all married together in any iteration of a band. Um, but, you know, as you as you grow as a band, you also grow as people and you don't always grow in the same direction. You don't always agree on the same things. And I, I think it just there was a little bit of an uncomfortableness uh, that is as short as I'll keep it, um, that it didn't it didn't seem to be working out at that point. And, you know, kind of the last big thing that hurdle was. You know, we really did care about our own safety, our family safety, fan safety. Uh, we really believed in the vaccination and helping to pursue this, uh, you know, career as musicians to be able to travel internationally. Uh, to, you know, like, like Kurt said, one of the festivals uh, that was in Montreal, we would have never even got into the country at that time. Um, you know, and so as Kurt also mentioned, uh, me and him were predominantly the songwriters. Uh, and with all these factors, you know, it's not, it's not like it was just like, oh, they're out. Like we had a conversation and at the end of it, it did work out. Now it took several months of sort of going back and forth and you guys kind of deciding how you wanted to deal with it. For sure. Yeah. It was not a quick decision. It wasn't a, a quick thing. Uh, these were two people that, you know, at the time we were, you know, we had, we had toured with, we had spent a couple of years as, as bandmates. Uh, and you know, it's not. You don't you don't see everything uh, in the short view, but in the long view, as you put things together, you know, we wanted to have a conversation. And so and so we did. And we sat down. The conversation just, you know, didn't go well. Uh, But that was not a conversation we jumped to either. Like we really had to talk uh, internally, to be honest. Like I I had to talk with my significant other. Kurt and Rosie talked with each other. Then the three of us talked. And we talked with uh, mutual friends and, and just tried to find the best way to approach certain conversations uh, and also the situation of, you know, being non-vaccinated or vehemently non-vaccinated, I will say. Yeah. I was going to add something to that effect, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't, Oh, we're not vaccinated and we want to wait longer to play. It was, we want to play now in January, 2021. And also we're not going to get a vaccine, which I think is, is really different than it. I, I don't know. So that would have also meant that 
in addition to um, not getting to go to Montreal and not playing fest, you would have to play like the shittier side of shows as well. Yeah, it would have. It, the, the conversation would have been. It, it would have been the, you know much more DIY, which we love, by the way. We still have an aspect of that while we tour. Always, every single tour, we're playing house shows, basements, outside, etc. PA setup. Um, but you know, we have ambitions. Uh, we've all stalled parts of our other lives. We've uh, left our careers to pursue this one hundred percent full time. And while it's great to always play a basement in a backyard we've spent our years doing that. And I'll say frankly that we've paid our dues in that respect. And while we love it, you know, we would like to see a little bit more success for ourselves because we love what we do and we love the atmosphere and the community. We love every aspect of this ska life essentially. Um, and you know, we, we wouldn't have been able to do it that way. Um, you, mm-hmm. you can't just only play backyards and basements. I want to find a wider audience. I want everyone to hear my music. I want everyone to hear Kurt and Rosie's music. Like it's that's really important. And also, I think, you know, me and Kurt maybe in particular more on Instagram. I mean, Chris paid attention too, but like we were, you know, interacting with a lot of people in the scene and paying attention. And it's like that was because that was kind of one of their arguments when this whole thing happened. Like, oh, we'll just play. DIY house shows. It's like most people who run house venues want you to be vaccinated too. Like all the places that we've played and, and the people that, you know, I think maybe what you were meaning, Aaron, I could be wrong. Tell me if I'm wrong by saying we would have to play the shittier places is maybe people that, you know, isn't as safe of a space. Yeah. People that a lot of people that are creating very, that environment. Very concerningly. <laughs> strongly right wing i'm gonna be up front <laughs> yeah we that's didn't the people that we would have been places. playing with and i that's the last thing i want to play yeah definitely at least at least then i mean you know things change in a few years people it's not a big sure. issue as it was then but in 2021 yeah people would it would be people who were also anti-vax or right. yeah kind of right wingy probably or real real shitty house yeah, like did not give a fuck about their health type of people. It would have been a weird seat, I think. I, I agree 100%. This is something I'm always curious and fascinated about. Obviously, being anti-vax post-2020 is d- different than it was in 2019. It used to be the conversation was like, are you vaccinating your kids? That's kind of the, the anti-vax argument before. Um, did you know that they were anti-vax? before did it ever come up they weren't they're only it's only the it's only covid it's it's only the covid back thing they are they have gotten at least at that point i don't know if they've changed now yeah (laughs) maybe they changed before that was never they had gotten plenty of vaccines in their lives they Uh. tj in particular was a obsessed with germs if you coughed in his direction he would flip out on you like <laughs> that was his personality like he was he was a fucking germ like germaphobe interesting and so when we're when we're saying anti-vax we're not talking the uh 90s 2000 hollywood mom like we're talking we're <laughs> sorry <laughs> I, he's mincing words he doesn't want to say too I, much I, we know what you mean we're talking, we know what you mean yeah. we're talking YouTube rabbit trails during 2020. Yeah. Like really got into their brains, I think. I don't know. And I, I mean, there it's not like there wasn't an awareness of some of the vaccine need as a band. 
because uh, that was also addressed and that should be addressed with every band. Uh, there are certain countries when you travel, you're going to or should, uh, based on medical advice, get certain vaccines uh, because you're not used to that environment, uh, wherever said country could be. Uh, but and honestly, this was very specific to COVID. Okay. Well, here we are. You guys are back on the road. You have uh, a new band, basically, or new you have new members. Well, that's the thing is, it's not a new band. It's it's really three fifths the same band and yeah, same songwriting. Yeah, yeah. I just met you. Have and, and we? You have yeah, new when people. We say songwriting. New lineup. We when we say songwriting, I mean we we mean it. When when Kurt or I and and now Rosie as well. When we write songs, when I write a song, on average, I'm either writing all of the guitar, bass, drums, and even some of the uh, horn harmonies or lines. Uh, and in some cases, I even write all the lyrics. Kurt also, a lot of times, will write every single part of a thing, and we will demo together, and then it'll start to you know evolve as a band. But I even wrote some guitar solos. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I'm actually here's something I'm really curious about. Um, so I know that you recorded the record before all this. Did you guys release the record that you recorded before? Or did you re-record it? We didn't re-record the guitar. Uh, Hans Hans's guitar playing, and he did do a little bit of songwriting on the album. We did keep that. We had versions of a lot of the songs with TJ's vocals, and we completely stripped those. Mm. Meaning just the vocals. Just, yeah, just the so vocals. Mostly, just had to rework the, some of the recordings. Yeah, so and that's the thing is like, I, there wasn't too many songs we had to. Re- it, I was to when we actually the, sat down and yeah. did it. We had been sharing a lot of vocal lines anyway. Um, just there was certain things that um, you know, fit Kurt Ermey's voice better, or just like we're in in our range right. better, or something that uh, wasn't working with TJ anyway. So there was a good chunk of us already in there, and then we just had to sort of redo just some of the like more lead lines which most were ones that gotcha well i mean all, all on this album all were ones that Kurt and chris wrote and i think hans wrote co-wrote too yeah uh hans does have three co-writing reddit credits on the album and, and I, other than that it was all Kurt and chris. yeah other than that it was me and chris okay when did you start really seriously getting back on the road was that like mid to late 2021 I don't think so. I mean, we did a tour to Fest in late 2021 fall, but it was only, what, two weeks? It was pretty short. It was just kind of like t- testing the waters. And obviously at Fest, everyone was vaccinated. And there was, we, everyone, you were there, Adam, <laughs> testing and masks. Well, and, you weren't you there know. for our set. I know that much. But he was there to give me a really <laughs> good <laughs> yeah, He had a visit. He had to go back for his kid. Okay? Oh, you had children to take <laughs> care of. But. Yep. I got a really big hug from Adam. <laughs> I remember that. It was awesome. Um, after only knowing you through like your squirrel stories. Um. <laughs> this is the, the, the squirrels that live in Adam's backyard. Yeah, that was like I had I was on unemployment most of the pandemic. And so it was just like I would check on the squirrels every day. <laughs> yeah, because they have it was like we're on we're on like the fourth or fifth generation of squirrels at this point. Oh my god, see I haven't checked. I haven't I've been too busy now that that things are, you know, happening yet. But I would say we didn't really pick up touring again until May of twenty twenty two. When we after released the know, album. Yeah, the the tour when we released the album. And that, that first tour was weird. 
Like, yeah, it, the whole time you kind of really were questioning, are we doing the right thing? Like we were wearing masks everywhere we went in venues and convenience stores. Uh, we were testing. We were trying to be as safe as possible, but like it didn't feel like a normal tour. And obviously probably for everyone. Um, but by mid, I think things had changed enough that I, I finally remember that tour. Actually, you guys do pretty epic touring. Um, like <laughs> back in the day, back in the day, bands used to go on the road for uh, big stretches of time. And I don't feel like bands do that as much anymore. Shorter tours, spot dates. You guys have kind of a, it feels like you have an old school mentality of like hit the road for a long stretch. Yeah. I mean, uh, Kurt, if you don't mind me kind of jumping on this one, go for it. Um, there's so many good reasons to do it. Uh, and there's a lot of challenges to get to that point. You know, I think as a band, we're fortunate enough that all of us kind of have work opportunities that let us leave to be able to pursue this. Um, so that we can go on the road for, you know, 25, 30 or so days. We, I know we just did 50. That's really not what we want to do. Uh, but 25 to 32 is kind of what you want. And, and the good reasons for it are you're going to hit a lot more smaller markets. And that's where people are. Look, playing a city is great. But if you end up in like Chicago on a Friday or Saturday and you're not the biggest draw in the city, you know, there's not a lot going on for you there. It might not be a great show. Play there on a weekday. Hell yeah. But, you know, you find places, and we always say it, Yuma, Arizona, one of our favorite places to play. You know, Yuma Columbia, Missouri, favorite place to play. And you get to go to a lot of smaller communities. That really Virginia. Yep. Fredericksburg, <laughs> Virginia. Fredericksburg, oh, Fred Virginia. Yeah, yep. Yeah. I, yep. I love Fredericksburg. Uh, the, the other added bonus of this is when you're able to tour longer like that, you can cut down on your drive times and your spending. So you're not you're not spending as much on gas or as much time in the van to get from show one to show two. And we see bands do it all the time where it's like, yeah, we're going to leave, you know, the Midwest and go all the way to Seattle, down to San Diego and back. And we're going to do it in 13 days. It's like, oh, God, you're going to be spending at least four of those days in eight to 12 hour drives. Uh, you know, and then you're not really recouping as much. And, and something we get asked a lot, like, oh, do you guys at least break even on tour? It's like, well. Man, when you do those longer tours, you know, you might not make as much if you're doing like a DIY show and it's kind of a donation door cut, whatever. Uh, but you also had more opportunities to sell shirts and meet, you know, other people that maybe never got to see your band. And so you didn't spend as much gas to get to that point. Not to make this all capitalistic sounding, but it's kind of the truth. <laughs> no, but I mean, it's the, it's the truth of having to tour that way is you have to make X amount of money just to move your vehicle forward. I beg bands I know to not tour half the country in two weeks. Uh, you know, and I, yeah. I, yeah, we'll tell young bands all the time, or uh, someone will put out a tour, and we're like, "Guys, what are you doing? Like, please, yeah. <laughs> not because we we just want to help." Are you planning to go there in a year? You know, like we, if you look at our tour schedule, it's not always perfect, but we try to break the country up into three regions, and we try to do Midwest, West Coast, East Coast, and and repeat as much as we can. If you're just going out to Portland for one show and you're never going to go back there. Yeah, that's awesome, and it's but it's kind of more of a vacation. Like you, you need to return to the communities you play at least once, if not twice a year, if you're able to. What's the longest drive you guys have done on tour? <laughs> it was during the Ska Parade, wasn't it? Was that the longest, or did it just suck? It just sucked because it was a uh, matinee the next day or something. Is that what it was? Yeah that that was the most that was the most awful drive. Yeah. Okay. Uh, most awful. So we were on the Scott Parade tour and the uh, person that had booked it had booked 
uh, Portland, Oregon on a Saturday and 924 Gilman Street matinee show on a Sunday. But we didn't realize it was a matinee until like basically the day before. And all of us bands are like, oh, shit. Like what? <laughs> like yeah. we got to leave our winter. show early. It was January. <laughs> we went over like mountain passes with like in the ice snow and snow. Kurt was like, Kurt had like a water bottle. He was like throwing it on the windshield because our because we're dumb and we're from Texas and we didn't have. Well, and also your uh, it drops down to a certain temperature in your uh, the reservoir for the spray for your windshield. Freezes. Right, exactly. And then you have to, yeah. So you got to hang it out the window. We we pretty much got to Berkeley, by the way. And I fell asleep in a chair somewhere for like an hour and a half. <laughs> Wasn't it at the Whole Foods or something? Probably. <laughs> uh, our our longest drive, though, when we didn't know better, our very first tour, our very first day of tour, we drove from Austin, Texas to Gainesville, Florida. We left, I think, Thursday at midnight. So technically Friday, 12 a.m. And drove 14 hours straight to get to Gainesville to play a show. Did yeah. not go well. <laughs> now, I heard one of the ways that you guys uh, save money on tour is that you forage for nuts in the forest. <laughs> <laughs> it's not completely wrong. So we, we do look for, uh, you know, uh, as bad as it is, I have looked at community gardens to find the gardens that look neglected to go oh. pick off those tomatoes. We we went by one once and like, should we, should we not? And then there was this older lady who was like tending to her garden and she looked at us straight in the eye and was like, that plot right there, they never come. They never come. And I think that was her giving us secret permission to and, pick the tomatoes. And, yeah, and I know it's like not it. as good as raiding raiding the man. We Stealing have apples from the man. We have we have stolen to oranges off the side of Calif orange groves yeah, in yeah, California. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, we're not just raiding community gardens. There's also a really cool place in Portland that was it Portland or Seattle that was like the whole point is that it's a community guard or uh, that it's free. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah, we geeked out over that and uh, we're like, oh, I found blackberries. Like, we <laughs> we also aren't above grabbing food off people's table when they leave <laughs> at a restaurant next to you. <laughs> oh, I've done that. Oh, yeah, we yeah, we've definitely grabbed like he, like an entire pizza or whatever. Yeah, like, like someone left a whole thing of like a uh, Irish nachos or whatever it was. Ah, oh, that was fantastic. I love that day. <laughs> it was a good day. I was in Shreveport. I live in, I live in Sacramento, the city of trees. <laughs> and oh, there's a lot of fruit trees around. And uh, one time, every time I hang out with my friend Dean, which I did earlier today, he's always like pushing us to just pluck fruit off of the trees and eat it. So we, we went for a walk and I had uh, one plum and one nectarine during our walk. When we were in Sacramento, I think we were literally getting on each other's shoulders trying to grab yeah. things out of the... Oh, uh, yeah. It was at the state capitol. At the state capitol. I was literally trying to get that stuff. The funny part was that we were we were pulling some plums off of a tree, and then the, the owner comes out, and I kind of was like, oh, shit. And then he's like, hey, and then they start talking their buddies, and I guess that's just <laughs> the thing he does. And the guy's like, take as much as you want. <laughs> Hell yeah. We, I mean, Rosie and I, uh, the neighborhood we used to live in, yeah. there was a handful of plum trees, a bunch of mulberry big, bushes, big or tree. fig, fig trees. That's what I meant. Yeah. And Dude. so, like, yeah, we always grab them figs and mulberries and whatever's around. If you have not eaten a fresh fig off a tree, you've not truly lived. 
just out there, fans listening to In Defense of Ska. Please, <laughs> please. In, in defense of eating figs straight off the tree. Correct. In in defense of <laughs> yes, I think uh, fertile crescent. Yeah, yeah that fertile <laughs> <Those> crescent. Figs. <laughs> you mentioned earlier, so I, I wanted to go back to something earlier. I didn't get to say. Uh, we were talking about touring so much and doing it day to day to day, like with these long tours. So. I've discovered for for us, and I would argue probably for the vast majority of bands, your success comes from people seeing you live. And we are such a live band, and that's how I've always kind of accepted my fate, that we impress people when they see us, and then they appreciate what we've recorded. And as much as I would love to have it happen the other way, I think the vast majority of artists, that's just not how it works. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> mm-hmm. here's another thing i heard you like to go to museums on your day off and you feel like it's important yes. yeah. explain that please um let's see well the word important makes me feel like chris should explain it but that being said <laughs> well, that's not it. totally true i'm just joking well i think we have come to just look for stuff that is free and interesting to do sometimes that does mean museums not always because sometimes museums do cost more than we have if there's something really special or unique we might you know save up enough money but obviously we're poor when we're touring so the two things we like to do well the three things we like to do to like entertain ourselves and this is why we like short drives as well <laughs> it's also the capitalist thing that chris talked about and we like to play with smaller you know towns and stuff because like people appreciate it in a different way but also the shorter drives gives us time to do some random stuff we'll look up atlas obscura and we'll see okay like what is going on in this in georgia what, what where's what's his face from oh yeah <laughs> the peanut a, the peanut uh, president it's jimmy carter we gotta see jimmy carter's town dude they had the giant like, peanut which was like surprisingly very cool <laughs> they, he had a peanut farm there if we went to the right time of dude, year we could have harvested peanuts yeah speaking of foraging they have a whole farm there and you're allowed to take anything you want so i made a whole salad and there was lots of nice cats so like oh yeah, is, they're yeah. like we could like we could have put a cat in the van. I, I was gonna was say ready. we weren't supposed to, but man, I had that cat so close to going into that van. <laughs> anyway, could have had a van cat. It, we would have had a van cat. We would have been, been like we would have been like uh, days and days, but except that we had a cat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So so I think it sort of was born out of checking atlas obscura because it's like okay there's always something weird or interesting to see or like a fun photo op or just i don't know it's just unique just living life i don't know just experiencing new things but also within that sometimes it'll talk about free museums or people will just tell us about them or sometimes chris knows a lot like when we go to the northeast he's like oh let's go to the rare book library or let's go (laughs) to the skull and crossbones like he knows you know where to go and it's just interesting stuff to walk around and see and we like to look at the architecture and we like to, I mean, and also history, it's important. It's <laughs> important to know our past and to learn from it, right? So there's also that side of things, but it's also, it's just having fun and um, just learning to appreciate little things about all these different places we go. Also, we go to state capitals because that's free. Yeah. And there's bells you can ring. <laughs> Wait, what bells? Tell us about the bells. So, I don't know why, 
maybe because I'm a drummer, but I don't even want to say it's because I'm a drummer, but I like hitting bells a lot. He likes to help angels get their wings. <laughs> the bigger the bell. Oh man, that's just more fun. And and I learned about when we started touring uh, that there are like 54 replicas of the Liberty Bell. And the majority of them are housed on uh, state capital property, a lot of which are housed outside. Meaning we have a lot of videos of me hitting a lot of Liberty Bells. Uh, either with a drumstick, a rock, a plum from a tree in Sacramento. Mm. Have you ever gotten in trouble for hitting one of these bells? Not in trouble. I know. I, I can't remember what state it was, but when I rang it, it was the loudest I think I ever rang one because it actually had the internal bell uh, uh, hitter, where like you could pull it all the way from mm-hmm. one side and swing it. Is that Des Moines? I, I thought that was West Virginia. No, it wasn't Des Moines. Because uh, it was on the backside of the building. But either way, people like stopped what they were doing. And I think I heard somebody go, hey, and I just walked away. I was like, oh, this, this isn't good. <laughs> and some are, some are caged uh, in Albany. It's like in a special part of the building that you have to like be a part of a tour to even see it. Was it a was Missouri's capital the one with the like the horny fishman? Yeah, horse there's sculpture? like a really sexy fishman horse. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so, so a, it was a fountain. So Missouri has Check these out, fountains, <laughs> and these fountains are these very like horny half fish, sexual. half man, half horse sculptures, and they're just squirting water everywhere. Ah, oh, damn! It's it's one of those things you look at it and you're like, man, this this is a horny sculpture. <laughs> <laughs> um, that being said, going back to capitals, as as much as we've now seen a bunch, like. I think we just we love to to go even more now after seeing a bunch because the architecture is really interesting and I get obsessed with like little weird details like look at the hinges on this like because the hinges sometimes on capitals are super specific and super ornate and there's just all these details and I think we just have fun um, kind of looking at stuff and learning stuff. And where else are you going to see an official painted portrait of Governor Schwarzenegger? <laughs> <laughs> Unless you run up three flights of stairs five minutes before the state capitol closes, just so you can sweat in front of it. I do that every day, actually. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm glad you do. So yeah. yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> I'd like to point out that uh, Atlas Obscura is a great resource. You guys mentioned yeah. that. If you're listening, go to Atlas Obscura when you're traveling, and you will find something bizarre to do. Um, one time, I was in Las Vegas. I don't even remember what this thing is called, but it was this art exhibit. And um, you have to go into like this mall. It's a very upscale mall on the strip. And you have to go into one specific clothing store that it's a kind of clothing store I would never go into under any circumstances. And then you have to tell some person something, and then they'd send you to the back where there's an uh, elevator. And then you go up this elevator and you go into this weird, crazy room and you wait. And then you fill out forms and then you go into the exhibit. And the exhibit is essentially like you're in this like, um, like, like a eight, like a, like a shape, like an eight, like, like two bubbles. And you're in this room and the walls are all rounded and they're all like one color and there's like soft music. The intention is for you to uh, not have anything to look at and not have any stimulation. So for you to be with your thoughts, that's the oh. exhibit. It was weird. 
That's pretty interesting. But, that sounds dope. We need, I want to do that. Okay, but next time we go to Vegas. But I got this through Atlas Obscura. I think that's the point of my story. Hold on. To make you do that, they force you to go through a clothing store. Yes. Sign a bunch of forms. So, so you have a bunch of stimulation <laughs> in order to get into a spot to, to not have stimulation. Yes. And it, all the forms like made kind of made me anxious. Like it was going to be a, um, an experience where I was going to feel claustrophobic or something. That was kind of what I was anticipating because they were having you sign these waivers, but it wasn't, Whoa. it wasn't like that at all. Well, that's good. Yeah. Sounds kind of cool. I feel like we should put that on the bucket list. Put that on the bucket list. Now I want to know the worst house you've ever stayed at on tour. <laughs> oh gosh. Oh, it's we, it's like, it's like a, it's a tie. Is it a tie or is it the new Orleans house? Chattanooga. Chattanooga, it has to be All Chattanooga. Right. Let's hear let's hear the New Orleans house and then the Chattanooga house. <laughs> well, no, well, well, no, well, Chattanooga no, no, no. first. You need to hear Chattanooga first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. First, they happened was... like day after another, right? Yeah, it was yeah, pretty okay. much one day after another. <laughs> so this is back with our old lineup. And we're all we just played the fest. We're all exhausted. TJ for sure has like fest flu because he's just like hanging out with everybody. <laughs> and and uh, he was hooking up with hooking people, up with all people and whatnot. Um, and this is like at the tail end of a 40, 40 day tour, 40 ish. So it was the longest tour we had done up to that point. Um, so we're, we're exhausted. We think we have a show booked in Chattanooga with, with some of our buddies, boss's daughter. But then we find out like two days before the day before that maybe they didn't tell the promoter or something happened that we don't know. We're not, we're like not on the show. I don't think it was boss's daughter. I think the promoter Uh, fucked up. Someone messed up. Anyway. I don't know why we were like, well, we want to play this show. We should have just been like, we should have just been like, oh, well, I guess it's not happening. But for some reason, uh, we decided like, oh, no, let's make it happen. Like, let's do it. And they were like, well, you can open, blah, blah, blah. At this time, we're like, okay, cool. So this is brewery. We go. But then we get there and it's like pretty close to our set time. No one's there. Nothing's set up. And then we ask about it like, hey, what's going on? And then. They're just like, oh, I don't know. There's some stuff in the closet. <laughs> we're like trying to like piece together a PA and we're not very good at that. And like, so anyway, long story short, it was just, it, it was kind of like already like not going well that night. The PA is terrible. You can't hear anything. Um, TJ wants to just start and go. And he decides we should play all new songs that we not like all songs for our new, new album, which is our second album at the time that we haven't played all tour just because whatever the show doesn't matter we're just playing to our friend's boss's daughter was kind of the idea but we don't remember these songs we haven't played them all tour we start we sound like total garbage kurt starts in a different key than hans on one song. and then so like things get really bad and it was just a bad show to start and then you know tj's sick with his festival so he's like i just want to go like go to bed or whatever and i had been chatting with Finally, the person who promoter who set it up was at the show. I've been chatting with her like, hey, is there any chance we could crash? Um, and we, we didn't have as many connections then. So we didn't necessarily know a lot of people that like a lot of people in the cities we were staying. Now we usually stay with people, but we kind of know people. But then we didn't. And we would just kind of like beg maybe a little too hard is a lesson learned, as you'll soon find out. Um, but I asked her, like, hey, any chance you have space? And she's like, oh, yeah, but, well, we have, like, renovations in the house. You know, like, the kitchen's being renovated. I'm like, oh, well, that's fine. As long as we have, like, some floor space, we're good. Like, whatever. And then so she's like, okay, cool. And then TJ's sick. So he is like, I want to go to the house now and make my ramen and, like, go to sleep. So Kurt takes him to the house. 
but we're going to say for the rest of the show, the rest of us. I'm sitting at this campfire chatting with this girl, and eventually she says something about she doesn't have a microwave or something. And I was like, oh, God, oh, no. Like, <laughs> DJ's going to be so upset that he doesn't get his stuff. Anyway, we get this text when Kurt's on the way back, like, I'm not staying here. This place is like, I don't even remember what I said. Like, he was just, but he, he was kind of dramatic sometimes. Like, so we were just like, well, so, it's just TJ. Like, he's just feeling whatever. Yeah, we'll go there. He'll be fine. <laughs> TJ could be a little, not a little. He could be very dramatic. So it was a little so boy, like boy. It was a little wolf. boy cried wolf. <laughs> to finish the story, I, uh, I, I get back to the show because I dropped him off, and Chris and Rosie come up to me and Hans at the time, and we're like, "Hey, so TJ was texting and saying that he's leaving the apartment, like, or leaving the house. Like, was there something wrong with it?" And I was like, "I don't know. Like, I didn't go inside. Like, <laughs> I just, dropped him I dropped him off and I left. Like, I didn't want to deal with him." And so I. Later that night, we go and we are heading to their house because we knew that's where we are to sleep. Which, T- by the TJ way, had already decided yeah. he was going to go get an Uber to a motel. It was that bad. And we're like, whatever. Okay, we'll go crash here. So we, we finally park at this house and there's this giant hill because Chattanooga is very mountainous. And you know, we finally start getting in the house. And when we open the door, Literally to the right of us, there's no floorboard. So when you walk <laughs> in the house, there's no floorboard and it's yeah, filled with joists. joists and it's filled with trash. And to the left of us is the kitchen. And there is to say there's no microwave is an injustice to how little there was. It is covered from basically countertop to ceiling with just stuff. And I don't even know. If, was there a fridge that worked? There was a fridge. I don't know if it worked. There was a fridge. Yeah. Yeah, no cup, no bowl, though. No cup, no, no cups, bowl. No bowl. <laughs> and also, the joists weren't like newly unearthed. I work in construction. It wasn't like it had been like that a long time. So, we, when you get into the living room, it, I mean, the whole place smelled like dog. And which is usually fine, you know. We like dogs. Yeah. And the living room is once again just basically floor to like hip, just stuff. And there's like a small walking path to the upstairs they told us oh there is a place where there's an equipment or where there is uh all of the music equipment that animals don't go to so that your member who's allergic to animals can stay there uh, <laughs> so but the house like i said it smells like dog and it's and literally it really it was just the stuff like we don't know what how how can we move stuff to even sleep on the floor like put yeah. an air mattress down like i don't know what i think to do. i think chris had like laid in the pile of dogs yeah, for like a few minutes i did <laughs> and it smelled so bad and there's a fish tank making so much noise and that it, it would have been impossible to sleep so so we we start walking upstairs to where the other space to sleep is and we get stopped by the roommate and i think chris like has the best interaction with the roommate yeah, you pass the baton to chris all right so we we walk through no floor kitchen. We get in the stinky living room that's with five large dogs or maybe three large dogs too. Then we go up these rickety stairs and you're like, man, this, this is just great. Like, you know, we get to the top of the stairs. First off, you're in kind of an open room and there's just clutter and books everywhere. But some of the windows are broken, not open, broken. And it's like November 1st, essentially. It, it's cold. It's Chattanooga. Tennessee. It is cold that night. 
So the room is freezing, right? We're almost shivering. We're about to go look into the the room that is supposed to be like the rehearsal room that we can sleep in. And all of a sudden, their roommate comes out and he's dripping in sweat. And he gets real close to me and he gets right in my face and he's trying to talk to me. Hey, man. And we're like, oh, hey, we're the band. You're, you know, your roommate said we can stay here. All right. Hey, do you want to come hang out in my room? And I'm looking at this guy, looking at his face, seeing his pupils, seeing the sweat coming down. And I'm like, oh, my God, I, I don't want to go in this guy's room like this guy. I don't know what kind of drug it was. I don't need to speculate. But he was very high, very awkward. And it was hard to even get away from a conversation. And then. All of a sudden, we're like, man, now we're staying in a house, and like, this is starting to feel questionable. Like, is this the right house? Even who knows? Yeah, we actually we don't know. know. We don't yeah. know. There also the bathroom is shared between that roommate and I guess all of us, and there was no lock, and I think maybe no door on the bathroom. No, there was no door. There was no door. I was like, I had to have like a post up, like someone, someone watch while I pee, please. So, <laughs> all right. So the end of the story is. So then we go into the room that we're supposed to stay in. It's the rehearsal room. The floor is covered in cigarette butts, debris, etc. The four of us oh, barely and, fit. And, side and by animal side. fur too. And so, animal so, fur, yeah. so, so, yeah, allergic. So they lied about the animals going. Yeah, in. No dice. Yeah. No dice. <laughs> we we all slept on the floor side by side. I'm back then. I'm the idiot that had nothing with me, so I literally took my hoodie off and used it as a pillow and just planked it on the floor. I remember feeling something crawling over my legs. I remember just. <laughs> It was so hard to sleep in this room. And it and it was probably just every everything we said, like it just culminated in being the worst house we could have ever stayed at. Only to then be followed by New Orleans, which also yeah. was pretty uncomfortable. Which oh. I think might have been worse. So this was the very next day. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So and this and we'll and New Orleans is and New Orleans shows go late. Like we'll, they start late, they go late. We'll try to keep it quick, but we we had a buddy who was staying at a house. And he said, hey, yeah, you can come here after the show. So we find the address. But we're never actually, and to this day, we're not actually confident we walked into the right house. Again. Because we never saw our buddy at any point in time. <laughs> and <laughs> and when, when Probably we, we stayed in the wrong two houses, and that's why we had such a bad experience. So, Just so let's believe, we, believe that. We walk into this house. TJ's first. He opens the door. It's the, the back door, door right? The back he door. has to go through the back door. to go back door. TJ opens the door. He looks in, and he's like, nope. nope. Turns and around. he turns around and goes Walks right back the to the van. car. And so we Sleeps walk in, in and the car, it just. The house. The house, it just reeks of just dog shit. And pee. And pee. <laughs> I remember all the guys being like, oh my God. And there was dog poop. There was dog poop like all over the floor. <laughs> and like, I think I was just like drunk enough that I was like kind of just like pissed at the man boys i guess in my brain and i was like you fuckers and i just like went in the bathroom got some toilet paper cleaned up all the dog shit and i was like see it's fine let's sleep <laughs> just apparently that was my i don't know i, I remember oh i remember setting up the air mattress in the living room and it's like the smell was so bad all night that we moved to the kitchen we were like now we are in the kitchen, kitchen. And just, even then it was still bad like i I was, bad. I was trying to find anything it's like and like anything that smelt not like that to like just like, just like smother yourself like with, if i would have so. had some vicks i would have smothered that shit all over my nose just to not smell like i i mean fuck it was bad yeah it smelled really bad the pee was it was rough like i remember putting a sheet over my face and just trying to <laughs> yeah just trying, trying to, to suffocate fall, yourself yeah, i would have like to suffocate myself with my own goddamn bo fuck <laughs> like i would have been better 
but that was me and Kurt's experience. It, it, it goes on. It's one of those long houses. We stopped in the kitchen and we're like, good luck, everybody. Keep going. Yeah. So Kurt and Rosie get the kitchen, whatever. Me and Hans are like, I guess we'll go in the living room. The living room had a large sectional couch. We were told we could share it. Two of the roommates are actually still up. It's 3.30, almost 4 in the morning. And on one of those, like, it had to be a 65 or 72-inch TV. They're watching at blistering levels (laughs) (laughs) face-off. They're early on in the movie. They don't leave the living room until they finished it. So me and Hans are like, oh, fuck. We literally, we tried to sleep on the floor in front of them because they took up the whole couch and we're laying and trying to sleep on the floor. And it's so loud. I'm like, I can't, this is louder than the show we played. My head is right near this TV and we can't fall asleep and it's getting harder and harder. And at one point, Hans swears he feels like a flea jump on him and he just like jumps up and just starts swearing. He's like, fuck this. Go to the van. And he runs out. And and I see Hans when he comes through the kitchen. He's like, "Fucking flee, no motherfucking!" He's just like swearing <laughs> and like running out. <laughs> and I didn't I didn't know until the next day that apparently I did fall asleep for a hot minute, and I was snoring so so loud that a roommate from a different room who we didn't know was even there came out, looked at me, and said, "Are you fucking kidding me? I don't remember any of this because I was snoring <laughs> asleep." <laughs> And Hans actually, I think back then he had said he took video. I never got to see it, but, uh, <laughs> and it was probably on such an older phone. It would look terrible at this point, but like, yeah, I probably slept for an hour and a half. I, it just baffled me to watch face off that late, that loud. And like, here are these people that you remain invited over and like, nope, you're sleeping through this or you're watching it with us. <laughs> and like, like we said, this is New Orleans. This isn't like we ended a show at, 10 or 11 it was it was yeah. fucking like 3 or 4 a.m when yeah. we finally got there it was not like they had just gotten up fuck <sighs> so yeah those are those are those are two of the worst all right those are i think those are pretty pretty high on the bad yeah house list of and yeah. tj tj kept getting sicker and then right after new orleans i got what he had so by the time we got to houston we were supposed to stay in new orleans for an extra day and like hang out and party but me and TJ ended up being so sick, we drove to Houston to a friend's house, and our wonderful friend Pamela actually like got us pho and Chinese food and all these medicines and tried to make us feel better. And we were just me and TJ were miserable. Like that when we played Houston the following day, I had to leave the show after my set and go into the van and pass out, which is, I think is the only time I've ever done. That. Wow! After two worst nights ever. <laughs> Backing up a little bit, the foraging. And then eating <laughs> off of off of other people's <laughs> yeah. uh, plates okay. um, to save money. Um, has that ever resulted in food poisoning? Speaking of being sick. You know, no, actually. I did get food poisoning once on tour. What was it from? Well, I think it was from the chicken, the, fried, the, the chicken wings. Okay. I don't know. I'm guessing. But I'm the only one who got it. Yeah. It was in Cl- Cl- Ohio, was it? It was Cincinnati. Cincinnati. Cincinnati, Ohio. It was like a bar that did like wings and everybody else was fine, but it was a bad show too. You just got a bad wing. I think uh-huh. I, I must have. Yeah, it was a bad, I say it's a bad show just because yeah. our friend did did good by us and he's in like a thrash band. He got thrash bands to, to be on the bill because he was like, people will love you. It should fit. But I guess one of the bands had a lot of followers that like, basically when we got on stage, everyone just like exited the building. 
And then we were like, mm, well, damn. people probably just went home. Like, it happens. And then after our set, everyone came back in. Oof. Oh, yeah. It was that, uh, was, that was that was definitely <laughs> that, put, that put everyone in really bad spirits. But then I was like trying to have good spirits and be like, I'm not feeling that good, though. I'm going to have some tea. And then I just like as we're trying to load out, just started like hurling in a, into a trash can. And then that night we stayed with our friend um, and I was throwing up the entire night, like like dry heaving, like bile. Every I was like sleeping by the toilet like it was. bad. Yeah, it's it's one thing to. But it wasn't from someone else's food. It was from it, it's bona fide one, restaurant food. The bar's food, yeah. It's yeah. one thing to have people leave your set because, like, I, I get you don't like <laughs> what we're doing. It's fine. It's another thing to have people just not even give you a chance. Yeah, yeah. It was kind of before we started. Yeah, man. <laughs> that was a night. So anyways, man, being in a touring band's fun, guys. It's really guys. great. It's really <laughs> great. I heard, I heard you save money. Like You um, like cheese a lot. Oh, and that you save money by going to a farm employed by a member of the best of the worst to get free <laughs> cheese. Yeah. I mean, that wasn't the intent per se. But when we found out he was a cheesemaker, we were like, what? You're holding out on us. Um, it was so fun. I mean, that was we got to meet all the cows. Who's the cheesemaker in best of the worst? Yeah, Kozak. Kozak. All right. Yeah. Oh man, that was amazing cheesemaker. That was a blast. Oh, it was so cool. That was one of the funnest, like funnest. Yeah, yeah good so at we, English. So you get to go to the farm and they have all the girls there, all the cows are sitting there yeah. and they're walking around and they just like, let them us, roam. Yeah, we like hiked up to the cows. Yeah, we hiked to the cows. He's like, Oh, here's you know So and so the cow. Here's Claudia, here's Yeah, you know, whatever. And they pointing out at all the cows, knows all their names. And then eventually you go back down. He's like, hey, do you want to try some cheese? And we're like, yes, that's why we're here. And so he cuts off these pieces of cheese. And you're like, oh, shit, like, this is wild. Like, you made this cheese. And he made it. And then he went ahead and, like, cut off God knows how much money worth of cheese. And like we just Amish blue cheese. Like, special cheese from the Amish. Like, I don't know. It was, uh, it was amazing. It's worth it. We've also gone to, there's a, uh, what was the cheese factory in California we went to, Chris? Or was it? Oh. Burrata was the type of cheese. Yeah. Um, I we've what... tagged them on Instagram. There's but, there's just some um, cheese factory we went to. Di Stefano cheese. Di Stefano. Di Stefano. So we went to this we went to this factory in California. Because Kurt read about something called well, the California there's Cheese the Trail. There's the California Cheese Trail. And we're gonna we're gonna hit all the California oh, Hold on a second. Where's this California Cheese Trail at? It doesn't really exist, is what we learned. Yeah, because Aaron and I have never heard of it. Where was it alleged to exist? It's it's uh, all over California because the California know. Cheese Trail. The entire state? It's a big state. It's the whole state of California. It was all over. It said California Cheese Trail, and I looked at the map, and those things are dotted all across <laughs> it. And it's like, oh, I'm not getting to all these. And I found the closest one on from point A to point B, which I think was near San Francisco. Because right later, the, no, we, we were we were down south. We were in Southern California. We were near Riverside. We we're near Riverside. Oh, I'm getting, I'm getting the the shit we did. Mix I don't up. know that Fat Mike store. What's it called? The fat my store. <laughs> I'm bad at stuff. I'm bad at stuff. <laughs> that dumb record label he runs. What's no, it no. called? <laughs> the one with the boring punk bands. Oh my god. <laughs> I threw that shade. I threw that fucking shade. For some reason I thought that was the same day, but I guess it's not. They did release Escape from the Zoo's yeah, album last cool year, and that was the, mm. the best album to come out 
2022, uh, potentially other than uh, Soul Glow's diaspora problem. Mm. Anyways, so the cheese factory, uh, it it was fucking just we we parked next to a factory. Oh, and I had a fucking huge ass black eye. How do you get that huge black eye? Well, we were at a show in uh, Riverside County, and uh, Hemet Hemet was the actual town. Yeah, and it was like a hundred. 200 kids in this backyard having a fucking wild time like there's literally a kid who grabbed the tree branch was swinging from it across the pit everywhere so all that stuff's not how i got the black eye <laughs> i got the black eye because our actual stage was like tiny as shit and i mean there was no stage but it was so cra- crowded and there yeah. were so many people that we just kind of cramped all together so mike our guitar player he was standing right next to me and he just will happen to swing his guitar up as I was swinging down the while I was singing. And he hit me in the face with the guitar um, stock. Uh-huh. And he hit me so hard, he thought that he broke the guitar stock. <laughs> but he didn't break the guitar stock. He broke my face. Uh, and I had a huge ass black eye for the rest of the tour. You know what he said when he was swinging guitar- the guitar at your face? He said, Put on some running shorts. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I know that Mike in danger has my back. Wait, but did you wait? Sidebar, really quick. Uh, did you guys keep playing the song, or did the song? Stop? Yeah, I oh, didn't yeah. fucking stop. Hell yeah, that's what's up. I'm a professional. <laughs> I fell through a barrel in Los Corrados once, and I kept singing that goddamn song. Oh yeah. That's a really good TikTok if you ever... I'll, I'll send you the link later. It's pretty funny. Um, so this cheese factory, though. Let me get to the cheese factory. This is the important the part cheese. of the story. We we stop, and it's this factory, and like supposedly there's a place we can go and stop and sample cheeses. Right, which is what you would think of like a California cheese tour. Like, okay. Uh, like, but then we get there, we, we're like, we trying to find in, it. Like, and we're walking around, and it's literally just like cliche factory, like everyone's depressed about their life factory. And we're walking back there, and finally someone sees us and is like, can I help you guys? And we're like, we heard we can get some cheese. <laughs> and he's like, well, you can buy some cheese over at the head office, I guess. But like, <laughs> and we get back there, and we get to the head office, and we're like, yeah, we're a band on tour. We wanted some cheese. <laughs> and they like, they're like, well, here's a menu. We're famous for our burrata. And we're like, okay. <laughs> and so we, we drop like, Thirty dollars on band, just yeah, band, band, we made it band, a band expense. We, we bought some cheese, and then like I forget if it was like I think it was like Chris or Rosie. Chris. Chris was like looking at it, and he's like, "Oh, what's this? That sounds really good." And they're like, "Oh, we'll give you a sample." They fucking throw in like twenty or thirty more dollars worth of cheese for us. I think because we just walked in and we're like just in <laughs> awe of like watching the cheese making. Like it was like by hand. It was so cool. And they even said they're like, man, no one, no one ever comes here, and we've never had a band stop by. And they wanted to know our name, and they wanted something. Like, I think we ended up giving them some stickers and whatnot, and like, and also just to just to get my my two bits here on uh, the cheese. I just want to make sure everyone understands that we are the gods of dairy, and so if you bring us dairy, we're gonna consume it. I'm definitely the god of of dairy. I, it doesn't even affect me. I could drink a half gallon in thirty seconds and just walk away normal. And and we have video of it online of him doing it. Like this is not this is not him just 
He can back up the claims. We have video proof. The God of Dairy himself. I always wondered who the God of Dairy was. It's Chris. <laughs> now you know. Now you know. Hey, dollar forty nine mozzarella stick day. I got thirty six of those things. <laughs> and then I spelt scon mozzarella sticks and ate them. And I ate them in like five minutes at ten thirty in the morning at work. <laughs> and they all looked at me like this is disgusting to watch. Wow. Someone had to do it. <laughs> oh, oh, just just to prove the God of Dairy part. After eating all those mozzarella sticks, I was like, man, I really should have gotten one of the Master Blasters while I was there. So on my lunch break, I actually drove back to Sonic and got a large, which they no longer do. Just so you guys are aware, Sonic got rid of the large size of their blasters. Because one time I went there, they're like, sir, do you understand how much ice cream that is? And I was like, yeah, not enough. Give it to me. (laughs) How much ice cream is it? It's a tub. Uh it's like I don't know, seventeen hundred calories. Uh it's their giant soda cup filled with like the root forty four size. So they only do mediums now. Do you want a root forty four of Coke or a root forty four of that fucking master blaster, apparently? Always. Always master blaster. I don't think it's called a master blaster, but I want to start calling it that. I don't think it is either. I don't know what it's called. It's a blizzard, let's be honest. So we had Vic Ruggiero on the podcast. And Oh no. Yeah. When we went behind the curtain, if for those of you who are Patreon subscribers or if you're thinking about being a Patreon subscriber, listen to the ec- bonus footage of Vic Ruggiero uh when we had him on. Uh I'm assuming that somebody on the inside showed you this portion of our episode. Yeah, cool Chris has talked about it. He's told us about it, yeah. Okay. Vic is talking about Slackfest and um he's talking at length about a band he liked. And he cannot remember their name for the life of him. <laughs> but he keeps calling him a punk Kubia band. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Do you know who he's talking about? Oh, my God. I have a vague recollection. Yeah, go ahead. So I, um, I hear from a, 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 from a source that um, there's something he got wrong about the veggie tray and beer story from Slackfest, and that you should tell your side of that story. Oh my god. <laughs> so, Slackfest so is three nights. Slack, Slackfest is three nights in Austin, so we it's usually uh, around Halloween weekend-ish, or like, a little, uh, little either like, or a little after, it just depends on the time of the year. Um, and so Slackers play three sold-out shows in Austin, Texas, Austin, Texas at, at Flamingo Cantina. Um, which Flamingo Cantina is a it's a reggae club that's been running for I think almost thirty years at this point. Yeah, uh, ninety two, I think. But uh, they we and our other band Los Corrados both get uh asked to play it, and so Los Corrados gets asked to play, I believe, Saturday night. And Hans Gruber and the Diehards get back to play Sunday night. Um, a Saturday night show, they needed a third band. So we invited our friends from Dallas, the Cayuga All-Stars. And um, Los Corrados shows and crowds are notoriously... Um, cantankerous. Cantankerous. <laughs> uh, and... We're we're all in the the back with the green room as Los Corrados. 
and the slackers have just a lot of a lot of beer that they are um uh, uh given as their writer and slowly through the night i don't want to i don't know who was drinking it that beer began to disappear um and those veggie trays they were given slowly through the night they slowly were disappearing i don't know who was eating them uh and the next day when hans gruber comes to play the slackers are complaining about the previous night. It wasn't Vic, though. Someone, was. someone was apparently drinking their alcohol <laughs> and was eating their veggie trays. And I don't know who would have done that. That's really disrespectful. <laughs> <laughs> A band like the Slackers, they have they have nothing going for them uh, to take away their their beer and veggie trays. I can't believe it. Um. <laughs> so I I really sympathize with them. And I said, man, Vic, I am so sorry that someone would take your beer and your veggie trays and drink and eat them at any point in the night. <laughs> I don't know how well that was told. I, I only had one of them. Hey, uh, the, you know, the add on there is, uh, you know, not too long ago, we played this uh, festival. This is not Croydon outside of Philly. And look, man, those veggie trays had no names on them. Nobody told us. They, who are they? I don't know. But they're just sitting there. I'm pretty sure that those were actually like in an email for everyone specifically. Exactly. So those veggie trades, Chris. Yeah, those. I don't know. They disappeared at the end of the night too, as they should. <laughs> they by should. the way, as they should. <laughs> like, they they may have traveled to a van. Those veggie trays. Do you guys remember when we were at the Blue Note in Denver and we we had some of the the food? And I swear to God, it was just Hans Gruber sitting around <laughs> the cheese and veggie tray, <laughs> housing it. With every and there was like five bands on that tour, and nobody was going for it. We we're we're not we shy. Are people are going. Yeah, for it's that. not that we're trying to be greedy. It's just if people are shy, <laughs> we don't want to waste food. We're gonna eat it. We're hungry. So, anyways, Vic, I really hope if you're listening right now, because I know Vic, you listen to every episode. <laughs> I don't know who 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 had that veggie tray, but I'm sorry that your veggie tray disappeared. <laughs> Sounded like a sincere apology. Yeah, it did. All right, so we're switching gears here. Uh, yeah, Kurt and Rosie, um, you guys both grew up in a highly Christian family. It's different families, correct? Kurt, you grew up in uh, Loveland, Colorado. Your dad was an art director at a what Christian magazine was your dad an art director for? Oh, damn, man, you're getting deep. I, deep I haven't talked about this much. My my dad was the art director for a magazine called Group Publishing. Group Publishing? Yeah. Yeah. And this is a Christian magazine? Yes, it was. Why was it called Group Publishing? I have no idea. Okay. They it was it was like they would make promotional materials for churches to use more than oh, like gotcha. okay. they, so like they, they made like Sunday school. They had some magazines, curriculum. but they also did some Sunday school curriculum and everything. Okay, so and Rosie, you grew up in uh, Gallup, New Mexico. Is that correct? Yes, basically south of Gallup. I grew up um, in Vanderwagen, which is like thirty minutes or thirty miles south of Gallup. But Gallup was where that was the that was the town where you went to like buy your groceries and okay. school and whatnot. So. Now you had a very religious family too. Uh, yes, the, probably mine. Probably more so than Kurt's. 
because his parents really? were artists. So yeah, he, yeah, his I, parents were artists. So I, there was I have more... less religious trauma than Rosie does. <laughs> That's a good way to say. Okay, it. how religious was your family, Rosie? I mean, how do you explain that? Did you? Okay, here's the, here's. Did you they did you go to church and speak in tongues? No, well, I did not, but that's because we were uh I grew up conservative Baptist, which is similar to Southern Baptist, except okay. that it's not usually affiliated with like a larger convention, which makes it sometimes a little more crazy and a little bit more fundamentalist, but we weren't very Pentecostal. So okay. speaking in tongues would be more like charismatic or Pentecostal, um, which was less so the church I grew up in, but, but fundamentalism was <laughs> a r- real big thing. And, uh, lots of focus on the family stuff, um, was like media that I grew up with and books that were, you know, given to my parents or told this is the way to raise children kind of things. If that means anyone, anything to anyone out there. <laughs> was it a perspective of sort of like not really allowed to go to the outside world or consume things from them created by the outside world was it that kind of attitude yeah um but certain things were discluded from that so like oldies were okay because my dad had like a lot of old records like he had like the beatles and elo and um nitty gritty dirt band santana my mom loved uh peter paul and mary we had simon and garfunkel so like once i got into like once i (laughs) realized what records were then i had a bit more of a repertoire to like sort of consume but for all intents and purposes i wasn't really supposed to listen to music that wasn't christian unless it was like oldies for some reason that was like an exception um or like most tv was very vetted by my parents um and 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 we had like eventually we had like angel tv which is like only christian shit but also like before that the tv i can or like yeah the only tv i had and also i grew up in the middle of nowhere kind of was just like a satellite my dad had outside a huge one a huge dish he would just like crank it and i think steal stuff i think it was all i think he would just steal stuff for free if i understand how things work (laughs) good morals here but anyway i mean honestly kind of cool but like so he would just like crank it when he wanted to like oh it's march madness like can you see the he just like open the window can you see the game yet and i'd be like no or like keep cranking yeah i can see it but usually that was like geared towards a thing called ZTV, <laughs> which was Christian music television out of the Grand Old Opry. So like my childhood, that was like a lot of that. And then things like Petra, Striper. <laughs> These are some deep cuts. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm not embarrassed. It's fine. I've seen Petra uh, in concert. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yes. Um, those kind of things were like. I guess the tapes I grew up or the cassettes I grew up with, but then ZTV was like a little bit later, like um, the sort of music videos that I was allowed to watch and MTV. I was not supposed to watch. It was blocked on our TV. I watched it at friends' houses sometimes, but I don't know. So yes, but not a hundred percent, if that makes sense. I was allowed to listen to the radio and <laughs> watch TV and movies. His, so I didn't dad, have that. Experience. His, his his first concert was Weird Al Yankovic. Yes, way cooler. Yes, it was very. And cool. one of the first movies your dad went to in the theater with you, or no, not first. No, your dad went to the theater with you to watch Jackass. Jackass. Yes. Mm. So, so so his his yeah. You know. So so it's that difficult thing where it's like 
I did have a religious upbringing, but I didn't have the same uh, fundamentalism as fundamentalism as, yeah. as Rosie did. Now, Rosie, you did this podcast, the the worst of all possible worlds. Yeah, did you listen to it? Oh God! Like you, you have some fondness towards this music, this Christian music. Oh, absolutely, the music. Yeah, I mean, there's lots of. Sometimes I'll listen back and be like, "Oh my God!" Like, like listening to like the words and being like, "Oh God, that's awful." Um, but there are a few things, like especially, I guess, similarly, and like it's similar to like secular stuff where like there there is kind of like subcultures i guess within mm-hmm. it that have interesting things to say or might push back and i think that's true within some of the the stuff i was raised with maybe because my parent my dad in in particular was like he wasn't just listening to ccm he was like oh like these are these weird like i don't know like like punk bands or like really alternative bands within what he you know, thought was like okay for us to see, I guess. So some of the songs that are on your playlist for that podcast, or some of the artists, I should say. Michael W. Smith. Oh God, yeah. Rich Mullins. Yeah. Actually I knew Rich Mullins. You knew Rich Mullins, really? Yeah. Yeah. He uh he got sort of fed up with the whole Nashville CCM scene. Um maybe not CCM, but like like basically I th- I think basically without saying it, he got kind of fed up with very colonial white Christianity and mm-hmm. he moved out to New Mexico or Arizona. I don't remember which one and lived on the reservation among Navajo people. And that's kind of where I grew up. So yeah, I, I didn't know him well, but I knew, I knew him. He lived around, he lived in a Hogan, which is a traditional Navajo house huh. and like lived a really simple life. And all of the fame, like all of his famous worship songs that he still has rights to run, even, even though he's passed before he passed, he, only took a really small percentage and he gave the rest of all that money to like whatever organizations he believed in. Hmm, that's cool. Commendable. Yeah. You also have a DC talk, DC talks oh on the list, but you have a, uh, a song. Maybe people don't really associate with their sound. Very melodic song. Oh, which one, one did their, I put on there? Uh, I can't remember it, but it's not a rap song. Okay. It's probably I'm gonna say and it sounds awful. It's I think I had two songs on that list. One was one of the older mm. rap ones, and then one was called Colored People. I know, I know. Oh, co- colored people. That was it. Yeah. It sounds it's awful <laughs> sounding now. Like I knew what they were tr- what they trying to say, but it, uh, yeah. Uh. One bag pig. That's another one you have on there. Yes. Yeah. 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 So like ZTV had like their like regular programming and then in the evening or like late at night they would have like this thing called brimstone chronicles which was like i guess stuff that was like pushing the envelope more and they would have steve taylor who's an interesting person too and um yeah just like more i guess more alternative i guess is the right word i don't know steve taylor is one of the more interesting um artists from sort of the old school you know history of uh christian music in my opinion sure yeah totally and and i think on on that playlist i had um cash cow which is still like a favorite song and i love that music video it's so creepy and just fun and interesting and creative but one bad (laughs) yeah but one bad pig yeah was on there just because i I, it was like such a core memory watching it because it's like the music video is so weird and like like you were talking about speaking in tongues and like pentecostal (laughs) like it was like creepy in that way kind of but also 
I found out years later from Kurt that like, oh, that band was actually like, you know, somewhat like part of like an important part of like Austin punk, like in the 80s. And I was like, they were. Oh, I guess I saw a music video when I was a kid. Okay, I'm going to throw a Christian punk band at you. I'm curious if you've ever heard of them. Oh, shit. They're called Lust Control. <laughs> no, that's a great name, though. Lust Control? Lust. Holy <laughs> shit. Lust Control. It's one of Aaron's favorites. Best song is called The Big M. Do you have any guesses on what that song's about? The Big M. Marriage? It's marriage or Mary. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to read you a little bit of the lyrics and see if you can understand. Oh, the oh no. <laughs> Wait, are you actually reading them or do you just know them by heart? I, no, I, I probably do know them by heart, but I am reading them. Okay. Is this your band in high school? No. I was never in this band. Wow. I have covered okay. this song, though. Okay, okay. In Narboots. Okay. It's natural. It's a release. It's natural. It's a release. What? It's a release. 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 Oh, it's about masturbation. A release from what? Your sexual appetite? Forget it. Get real. It's artificial sex. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's about masturbation. Yeah. Lust control. I mean, it was right there in the band name. How did we miss the mark, so? <laughs> Marriage? Come on. Well, I was, I was, I was giving them the benefit of the doubt, <laughs> but they're a punk band, so of course they got to be extreme and have right, a song right, about right. masturbation that's about not masturbating. <laughs> yeah, anti <laughs> a- anti masturbation. All the rage in the uh, punk Christian scene. Oh god, Aww. yeah. Go back to Hans Gruber and the Diehards and your record with a vengeance. If we have to, she released on SPI uh, Records. We did. There's a song on there called Squat Core. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Tell me about that song. Well, it- we have a very special person here today in this <laughs> very podcast who was featured on that song. Because wow. I think that person is more Squat Core than us as much as we like to claim the title. So what does Squat Core mean to you, Adam? Uh, I don't know. You guys, you guys like ambushed me with that song. <laughs> no! <laughs> I mean, I definitely... I like to exercise, and and uh, and you guys were like, "Yeah, we have a song. You want to do guest vocals on it?" They're like, "Sure." And you guys sent it over, and I I put it on, and I was like, "Oh, I guess we're <laughs> yelling about doing squats." <laughs> cool. <laughs> Did you write the song with Adam in mind? No, 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 no. no. I I wrote the song, so it's about um, I. Uh, it started because you're sitting in a van all day on tour. Yeah, and so we and we, we would do squats would, at gas stations. Yeah, and so it was a joke. The idea it was a joke about squat core, like doing squats because you're stuck in a van, you're doing squats. But I tried to write it in a way that was about um, it was about what I wasn't taught growing up, and I wanted to write about healthy exercise culture. And it's like you still have this guy yelling at you, but it's like a positive you're doing good you know do a squat like keep going let's keep going let's do this it this and that was not what was taught to me in exercise culture growing up as a pudgy suburban white boy uh (laughs) who was in band um (laughs) uh and so i wanted to write a song 
that was about what it should be about. And it's not about being the best. It's not about anything but being your best self. Yeah. Can I interject and say I I could be wrong, but I think part of it, we had made, you know, we we did squats, whatever, and we were on tour, blah, blah, blah. And we sort of started writing it maybe as a joke, but then eventually, like, I think Kurt stepped back and was like, wanted to be a little more like, not introspective, but maybe a bit introspective and just be like, well, you know what? It can be positive. Like, we don't have to, like, make fun of ourselves that we're not good at exercise. We can just be positive. And I think part of that is because um, we were watching a lot of Mob Psycho. <laughs> <laughs> like, we we watched a lot of shit in a pandemic, and animes are very long. You can just keep going on them. Fuck. Well, yeah, but Mob Psycho has the... Uh... Body Improvement Club. Body Improvement Club. And it's like, it's such a fun dynamic if people don't know that show. It's just like, they seem like the most like machismo dudes, but then they're not. Like, they're just like, good job. I'm so proud of you. And like, it's just really, it's really refreshing and like funny and fun. (laughs) And so I think, I think that's the vibe of the song. 100%. 100%. That's the vibe of the song. Like, I'm not, I'm only a little ashamed to admit it. Sorry. <laughs> this is what if you ever want to be in a band with your partner, this is what happens. Now Adam hosts or he not hosts, he um leads an exercise class. Is uh is this the vibe you go for, Adam, as a uh as a as a head I don't know what the term is. The uh a group fitness instructor. Group fitness instructor, yes. Yeah, I mean I keep it positive. I keep it posy. The uh, this song this song has definitely popped into my head while teaching a class and leading people and <laughs> doing squats because it does give good information about how you should how your body should be aligned for you know proper squat technique. <laughs> <laughs> hey, are you are you going to be around to sing during our set yeah, at best? Oh, absolutely! Yeah. I wouldn't miss it. Good. Here, good. Here's right. a real question. Even if it's much later, like I don't know when it's gonna the stars will align, but. We do want to put out a music video at some point. Would you wear a leotard and do squats for <laughs> a music video? I know they're not running you can, shorts. You can answer later. Yeah. No, he said he, he answered. He's got his answer. He says absolutely maybe. Okay. Okay. That's good. That's <laughs> yep, good. Yep, okay. Be in touch. You're on SPI. You're you're hanging out with Chris Reeves now. Um, mm-hmm. I saw uh, mm-hmm. photos of you as house it was common sense. Kid was in town. You guys were all hanging out. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was that like? Well, I get knocked down, but I get up again and you're never going to keep me down. And I get knocked down, but I get up again. You're never going to keep me down. And I was pissing the night away. Pissing the night away. <laughs> you drink, you drink a whiskey drink. You drink a lager drink. You drink a cider drink. <laughs> It was a blast. It was a I I made a joke once with Craig from Common Sense Kid about tub thumping. I think it was on Christmas about how I was having a tub thumping Christmas and we were laughing about it. So I decided that I was going to show up to his house with uh, all the drinks from tub thumping. I was. It was fun though, and it was very. It was, it was sur- I guess, kind of surreal to meet him and and Andy B. Oh, yeah. Andy B was super, super nice, super sweet. So it was, it was a lot of fun. Now, did you see the Common Sense Kid video? Um, which is like the Eminem Stan video spoof that he made that was directed at Chris. I, I don't know. I, don't know I have if seen I did. that one. 
So he redid the song Stan. You know that song? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But he made it about Chris. So he was like a Chris stalker. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, go check it out. That sounds amazing. Sounds good. Yeah, yeah. There's my recommendation for you for today. Okay. So are you the top seller at SPI? I I think so. Maybe. But. I don't know. I don't. I I haven't asked Cool Chris about his sales recently. Is Chris good about giving you proper accounting? (laughs) So this is what this is about. This is this is all about Cool Chris and his accounting. So this is first. It was an underwear intervention. So now it's a Cool Chris intervention. No, just we we were just trying to make sure that your business. No, no, no. You got your investigative journalism right now. So you don't you don't know for sure if you are the top seller at SPI, but you are are suspicious you are okay we know yeah you know you are okay hopefully not for long i i actually i really do hope that uh there's a couple albums we know coming out right now that are absolutely amazing and i really if the right people hear them i really think that they're going to take off okay we're going to say this episode's over and we're going to switch over to behind the curtain and we're going to continue the conversation about you being a top seller at spi Don't go anywhere. If you want to hear the rest of this conversation, head over to our Patreon. Thank you for listening to In Defense of Scott. Please rate and review this podcast and tell a friend. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at In Defense of Scott. Pick up Aaron's book, In Defense of Scott, at your local bookstore or online. This podcast is edited by Chris Reeves of Ska Punk International. This is your co-host, Adam Davis of Omnigon, leaving you by saying Ska now more than ever. Hey, everybody, it's Barry from the What Podcast. Hey, it's Russ. Hey, it's Brian, and we are giving away two tickets to Bonnaroo 2024. These are GA+, and they include camping. Russ, how do people get qualified? We want to hear your top artists to play on the Bonnaroo 2024 lineup. Call 423-667-7877 and tell us who we should check out. It's the What Podcast. Thanks. Hey, everybody, it's Barry from the What Podcast. Hey, it's Russ. Hey, it's Brian, and we are giving away two tickets to Bonnaroo 2024 these are GA+, and they include camping. Russ, how do people get qualified? We want to hear your top artists to play on the Bonnaroo 2024 lineup. Call 423-667-7877 and tell us who we should check out. It's the What Podcast. Thanks.